Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And it's a very special episode because we are doing The Other Woman from 2014. One of the most confusing viewing experiences I have ever had. Absolutely. This movie has as much of an identity crisis as I do. It doesn't know who it is or what it's trying to do. And so it tries to do too many things. This movie has like multiple tones. It has two main tones that it's trying to pull off. Um, And it has a stacked cast, I will say. Oh, yeah. We've got Cameron Diaz, Leslie Mann, Kate Upton, Don Johnson, Taylor Kinney, Nicki Minaj, and dude from Game of Thrones. Yeah, Nikolai Coster-Waldo. I'm very sorry if I said it wrong. We're just going to say Nikolai. Yes, yes. This very confusing film is also brought to us by Nick Cassavetes, director of The Notebook and you know, son of famed director, John Cassavetti. It's like, no, I don't, I never understand, like, if your parents are director, why you would also direct movies, because then, like, everybody's just going to mention your parents' movie the entire time. But I don't know, maybe I'm going to become a director, and then my kid is going to make movies, and then they're going to be like, you know. I know, I always think about that. Like, do you have this internal struggle where you weigh the pros and cons of, okay, on one hand, I grew up watching my parent direct, and now I have this idea of how to do it and what I want to do. But on the other hand, people are always going to bring up nepotism and compare me to my parents. So is it worth it? I'm, I, I would love to do an interview with someone that's just about that dynamic. It's not about any of the movies they make, but just that specific directing dynamic. Yeah, yeah, I would love that too. So, uh, you know, um, Mr. Cassavetes, he has directed My Sister's Keeper, a famously bad movie. John Q, a famously Denzel movie. Not good or bad, just Denzel. And that is that is entirely a whole category. <laughs> and uh, Alpha Dog, which, which I actually like. And She's So Lovely, which is based on a script that his father wrote. So if you ever want to watch Nick Cassavetes try to make a John Cassavetes movie, have at She's So Lovely. The yeah, film- I mean, we all become our parents in certain moments. And if you're a director and your, your dad's a director, it's likely you're going to make one thing that, you know, harkens to their style or the kinds yeah. of storylines they go for. The Other Woman, however, <laughs> does not. Yeah, The Other Woman, written by Melissa Stack, who wrote a script that I really like. I really like her script. Yeah, I think this movie is very funny. I think there's a lot of really great um, lines. There's a lot of really great conversations that feel very human, that feel very realistic. It's sharp. There, the Even the hijinks, which we'll get into later, that I don't always love, there, there's a lot of cleverness. And you can tell that she thought about why she wanted to put certain situations in certain spaces. So it is, it's one of those movies where you can really see how it could have been better. You can see like that it has a lot of ingredients, but there's certain aspects that make it not quite hit. It doesn't quite hit the mark that it could have hit. Yeah, and a lot of those issues are in the filmmaking. Like, I do believe that Nick Cassavetes is the weak link of this movie because it doesn't really seem like he knows what genre he's working with. Like, he... There's, like, sentimentality, but there's also a lot of, like, brutality as well. And he doesn't really know how to put those things together. Right. Like, with The Notebook, it's so clearly one tone. It's so clearly a sentimental movie. It is deep in the emotional trenches. We care. You know, there's there's the rain. There's the water. There's the the lifelong love. Um, and the other woman, because it's, it's doing comedy, it's doing a bit of hijinks, but then it's also trying to pull this side of these women bonding in times of distress. It's not that a movie can't have all of that. It certainly can, 
but it doesn't feel like he knew quite how to combine those in a way that felt cohesive. Right. You know, and I mean, that's kind of, it kind of like pinpoints how hard it is actually to make a, cause I mean, as much as this is a rom-com, it's also like a female bonding comedy. And, you know, those movies are often like really maligned by critics just for not, a lot of the time it's just not for me, not being like visually interesting or being too soapy or whatever. But the thing is, is that the writing in those movies is actually really sharp and it's hard to duplicate. Like something like Now and Then or Steel Magnolias. Yes. Yeah, and in the aforementioned like First Wives Club. Like it's not easy to do that writing. No, it's not. It takes a really high level of skill and because it's also a circular issue, right? If people already have an idea about certain styles of movies, I mean, the whole premise of our podcast is that we like the romantic comedy genre but it's a genre that doesn't get a lot of serious like people don't take it seriously um as filmmaking right because it's silly it's romantic and so because of that people don't take it seriously so they often miss really good movies or they don't give them credit they might say oh I love that movie it's funny but they don't actually acknowledge that it took a lot of good writing and acting to make it one of your favorite movies And it doesn't get the same respect. And so because of that, then a lot of the movies that get made in the genre also aren't good because there's not this expectation or acknowledgement of them being able to be good. Yeah, I would say that like when you think about it, rom-coms are really kind of the most mass produced kind of entertainment because you don't just get get the studio ones, you get the straight to DVD ones or straight to VOD now. But you also get the television ones most channels have their own version of that kind of movie like it's like it's it's weird because that means that the genre is super popular and nobody respects it and i wonder if it's just because there's so many of them i wonder too and i also i mean we're really not that far away from when everyone would say chick flicks i mean the misogyny is just very very overt still in the way that people talk about media and what is serious media and, you know, what is good media and comedy in general doesn't get as much respect either, regardless of whether it's romantic or not. But when you add this element of romance, which is usually feminized, there's this whole other layer of dismissal um, from the general public as far as what they would call good, but also just film communities in general. Yes, I I can attest to that totally. <laughs> As a person, that being yeah. said, because our podcast does talk about the bad ones that didn't quite work, this unfortunately is not. It's not a movie that didn't get its recognition um, because of misogyny. Well, Although it, I'm sure there was plenty of misogyny, you know, from people who saw it. it it's a movie that that had a good script but yeah wasn't quite sure what it wanted to do right because like what it it's hard because there are so much there's so much in this film that could make it like hidden gem territory but like it's like the shell that it's in is so like ugly that I can't like in good conscience be like yeah spend your time watching this because you know I mean right off the top Leslie Mann and Cameron Diaz are great in this movie. Their chemistry is amazing. Yeah, they're fantastic. I mean, I would say that the acting in this movie, almost everybody is fully in and pulling their weight. And even the few characters where I'm not quite sure, it's hard for me to tell if it's them not pulling their weight or if they just didn't connect to the lines that they had. Because I noticed it was mostly the characters who had smaller parts um that didn't sell as much for me uh whereas the main characters leslie mann cameron diaz um nikki minaj is really a side character but she's fantastic oh yeah nikki minaj is great in this movie yeah i you know it you know direction isn't just about the look of the film so i I feel like there like are a few issues there is the editing, which, you know, we can't blame on Cassavetes, I guess, entirely, but the editing is bad as in, like, jokes 
there's too much dead air between jokes and punchlines and then aftermaths of jokes. There isn't really enough coverage, which which is int- which is weird. Um, you don't think about sound ed- normally on our podcast. I don't think as much about sound design. I notice if there's a really good soundtrack or a really good score, but I normally don't think about sound design in this genre of movie, but I noticed it in this because it felt sparse. It yeah, the sound there's like there's almost no score. Um everything that everything that we do here is like a weird cover that doesn't really hit and then kind of like if somebody was just like using little loops on GarageBand, it's just like, yes, this is like the walking loop. And this is like the surprise. And that's what it's, that's what it sounds like. And it, you know, also reminds us like how much music can be used, especially with a bonding movie to really like set the tone. Like what if, Oh, for sure. I mean, like putting the right song or even the right clip of a song in between or during, you know, on a low level during a conversation can up the emotional ante so much. Like, could you imagine, you know, in the bonding scenes with Leslie Mann and Cameron Diaz, if they were like listening to Landslide once? Oh, like, yeah. Oh my God, Landslide would, I would be like, okay, we're, we're knocking it up a star just for Landslide. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so we should jump into the plot So basically, this is a movie that is about a horrible man who is a worst. He's just, he's the worst. He's a liar. He's a philanderer. And he is basically just roping all of these women into his lies. And these women end up meeting each other. And so he is married. So the man is Nikolai and he is married to Leslie Mann. But he is also sleeping with Cameron Diaz and Kate Upton. Uh, We don't find out about Kate Upton until later, but the movie opens up and we see him lying. We see him. It's it's like montages of this man being, (laughs) being a piece of shit. That is how it starts. I mean, it's like the the beginning is the best bit of filmmaking because we get to watch the, you know, the beginning and the middle of his romance with Cameron Diaz. And, you know, it's what it's one of those bait and switch things where you think, oh, yeah, this is sweet. Maybe we're they're going to get like some challenges and then come back together. And then you and then they pull the Don Draper and he's in bed with his wife. Yeah. Yeah, and we're like, oh, okay, so this is not... I mean, if you go to the movie and you know the title of it, you're not surprised in that sense. But you're like, oh, okay, so this is different than I thought. And one of the first scenes where where it's not montage and we actually get to see people talking and in their element is Cameron Diaz at her job. Nicki Minaj works with her. Nicki Minaj comes in and she catches the tail end of a conversation that Cameron Diaz is having with Nikolai and basically Nikolai is going to meet her dad Cam- and um, Cameron Diaz is very casual about it. She's very, I mean, Cameron Diaz's character is very no nonsense, at least at the beginning of the movie. Uh, she's aloof. She's trying to get her work done. She's tired. She's just trying to live her life. Nicki Minaj comes in and she's like, wait, you're seeing one man like you've always had five on the roster. You don't even know their names or you don't even use their names. Like you save them as all. Oh, my nicknames. God. Oh, my God. When she said hot rabbi and the hot rabbi's brother, I was like, oh, my God. That is a movie that I want to see. I want to see that movie. Absolutely. <laughs> so Nicki Minaj is like, do you like this guy? And Cameron Diaz is kind of doing the coy thing where she's like, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, whatever. And then, of course, um, Nikolai ends up bailing on her and doesn't meet her dad because his wife, Leslie Mann, wants to have dinner and he doesn't know how to say no because she keeps pushing him. And so he ends up creating this elaborate lie uh, to Cameron Diaz where he's like, oh, there's flooding. I have to go to my home and, you know, I won't see you for a few days. And Cameron Diaz is like, this seems a little over the top. So Nicki Minaj tells her that she should go surprise him, right? And she should get sexy and like, go get her man. And this is where the movie really goes into the main meat of it, which is the women. Um, Can you describe the outfit she was wearing? 
So it's like this like sexy handy woman outfit. Like it's like a dark blue or like navy and she's got like a little tool belt and it just looks like she's on home improvement. Like she's like a tool time guest. Yes. Like very, yes. Sexy home improvement is the perfect description. Like this is very home improvement energy. And so she shows up and she's all ready. And then Leslie Land, Leslie Land, Leslie Mann opens the door and she's like, excuse you, who are you? And Cameron Diaz is like, I'm here for Nikolai. And Leslie Mann's like, okay. And Cameron Diaz is like, are you the housekeeper or something? Leslie Mann's like, no, that's my husband. So then Cameron Diaz immediately goes into, she's like slapstick mode of, you know, covering herself up. She's like, oh, well, well, actually it's completely a different guy who lives blocks away. And she's like trying to cover her tracks, but she's making things up. She's making up street names and everything. And Leslie Mann's like, there's not a street, there's not a Clark street nearby. And then there's this giant urn. It's like a sculpture. There's this giant urn in the yard for some reason that we never find out, which is very, we can make a whole episode just about this urn. Like, is there, is there actual ashes in the urn, do you think? We never find out. That's the weirdest part. It's an urn that is the size of just like a fleshy, alive human. And Cameron Diaz knocks it over while trying to cover up the fact that she came to seduce Leslie Mann's husband. And Leslie Mann is obviously just like, okay, this is something that's going on. Cameron Diaz, you know, gets in the car. She's humiliated. She decides she's just going to ghost this guy because screw him. But the next day, Leslie Mann shows up at her work and she is like... Just totally falling apart. Absolutely. And her clothes, Leslie Mann's clothes, they're bright colored. It's very... It's funny because this movie was made in 2014, but she's very much dressed like some sort of Pleasantville cartoon character. <laughs> like the bright colors. She looks like she hosts a children's show. Like she's yes. waiting. Yeah, like, hey, kids. Absolutely. Well, yeah, big, big, hey, kids energy, which she has throughout the entire movie. Like she's just, she's just so adorable. She is. She's really cute. She has, she definitely has children's show energy. That's so true. And so, um, Leslie Mann shows up at Cameron Diaz's work, which Cameron Diaz is not happy about. And Leslie's just like, listen, let's talk about it. Are you sleeping with my husband? I can't trust him if I talk to him. Like, let's, you know, let's just talk about it. Cameron Diaz is like, yes, I'm sorry. I didn't know he was married. I'm disappointed too. You know, I thought I was in a relationship with this guy. Uh, Can we just move on? But Leslie Mann. (laughs) I, and I totally understand Cameron Diaz and she's just like, wow, I I fucked up on accident. Uh, I don't really want to linger in this area at this point in my life anymore. I would like to move on to the next chapter, but the last chapter will not leave her alone. Exactly, exactly. And so Cameron Diaz goes home and Leslie Mann ends up showing up at her apartment with a dog, with her dog. And she's like knocking on the door and we see through the whole, like the, the peephole in the door, Cameron Diaz is like, how are you here? How do you know where I live? And Leslie Mann is just like, oh, I, I have food. Please talk to me. Her All talking f- to that peephole was... He, they like- talked through the peephole for 10 minutes, I swear. And she just looks so adorable. Well, and like, and sometimes the people's focusing on her, sometimes it's focusing on the dog. And it's just like an artistic flourish in this film that I appreciate. More peoples. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We need more peoples. That needs to be a new trope in the romantic comedy genre. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, um, basically, eventually, uh, Cameron Diaz lets her inside. It, it's really the food that like encourages her to let Leslie Mann inside. And Cameron Diaz is just like, why is this woman here? And Leslie's like, I haven't talked to him yet. I got to figure out what I'm doing. And she reveals all these sad things. Like she gave up her job um, for some reason. They don't have kids. So it doesn't make sense for her to give up her job, but she gave up her job to support Nikolai. And she's just like, you know, I, I've moved and changed my whole life and I share all these friends with him and I don't know what to do. And like, you know, can I trust anything? And Cameron is just like, she's like, you know, when you explain it like that, like go through the setup, I'm just like, this is the setup for Diary of a Mad Black Woman. 
<laughs> oh yeah wow <laughs> yeah it totally is that's a very similar well because it's like this like woman who's like wealthy but it's like you know it's one of those things where it's like it's his money it's not her money though we figure out later that a lot of his money would not exist without her money and also that a lot of the money is stolen so much going on with the money um but yeah she's just like we have this house we have this home I wanted to like build a family and now it's like I don't know who to talk to his friends are my friends and like what am I gonna do I don't have a plan and like at first like at the beginning of their relationship it's Cameron Diaz trying to help Leslie Mann come up with a plan but Leslie Mann is too emotional to really follow through with it yes exactly like Cameron Diaz at first is really just like okay this woman is distressed her whole life is falling apart. Yes, I'm disappointed by this man, but you know, I'm not married to him. I'm used to being single. I can handle this. This woman is having a paradigm shift. So she's trying to just tell Leslie, you need to get your ducks in a row. You need to get a good lawyer. Um, make sure you know what you want from the divorce before you tell him because this man is obviously a manipulator and he's going to try to get what he wants. So it seems, and they end up, you know, I mean, they get drunk they have this whole conversation about body hair, right? That bonds them. Yeah, that kind of shit is so strange to me because I never, ever think about my body hair. But I also, I guess, don't really grow a lot of it. So I don't know. And also, I never understand. And it's it's in every movie. It's like about every movie like this. It's a, like about shaving legs or shaving your vagina. And like, I don't do either one and no one has ever really cared for me. Although like hair doesn't really grow on my legs. So I guess I have like a bit of leg privilege there, but like, I don't know. I just don't think that anyone actually cares. Like the scene like later in the movie where, um, Leslie Mann is trying to have sex with Nikolai and she has to go into the bathroom and like, fix everything and shave everything. It's like, he wanted to fuck you before you walked into the bathroom. Right. So, like, yeah. why are you walking into the bathroom? <laughs> like, and this is your husband, right? On top of all of this, it's your husband. Are you telling me your husband has never seen your legs unshaved? Yeah, they well, have like, this... Like, yeah, and it, in the hair conversation that she has with Cameron Diaz, she basically says that he never sees me naked, he never sees my legs, which is insane to me. <laughs> it's so weird. She says that she needs a week preparation to have sex, which doesn't make sense mathematically a week to do why like i need a week preparation so i can shave my legs and everything she's like because i don't and cameron diaz is kind of flexing where she's like oh i'm always good to go like basically she's always hairless and i'm just I, i'm with you jordane i i mean sure i'm sure there are men i mean there's 15 year olds i guess you know if you're in high school maybe that's something but like grown men don't care <laughs> Like, they do not care. And the ones who do, you should not sleep with anyways. Um, yeah, I just, and which, I, I guess, like, that is kind of the thing, is Nikolai is, he he's a shitty guy, so. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of, it makes me think of, like, sex in the city, this idea of, like, competition, and, like, we have to be primmed, and we have to be plucked, and, like, we have to do this thing. And I've never really understood that, because why, like, I feel like I've said this before on the podcast, but, like, why would you want to be with someone who would not decide on you automatically? Like, why are we, what is the fighting for? Which is why I really like Cameron Diaz in this movie because she's just like, oh, okay, I'm done with him. <laughs> yeah, Cameron Diaz is like, I would like to move on. And Leslie Mann is, I mean, understandably, she was married to him for years. She's just like going through these waves of raw emotion where on one hand she has shock, she has anger, but then she has these moments where she's almost kind of trying to justify like, well, you know, maybe I don't quite understand what he's actually doing. And of course it always swings back. <laughs> he makes so much excuses for him, but also like, it's clear that their relationship would never be the same if they had stayed together. Like when she meets Cameron Diaz and it's like sitting in the apartment, it's like, okay, I'd like to sit somewhere where you two have not had sex. And it's like, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like you're never going to be able to forget that. I don't know. Like if I was, if I was holding on to that kind of resentment, it's just like, I feel like it would show in like every bone in my body. Why would you want to stay with someone after that? I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. And so they bond, you know, they, they bond over alcohol, they bond over body hair, they bond over 
Leslie Mann forcing herself into Cameron Diaz's apartment. But in the morning, it really does feel like Cameron Diaz is like, okay, this lady's gone. We had our time. But then Leslie Mann ends up calling her and she's like wrecked Nikolai's office. And this is when they just kind of spiral into they're talking all the time. Um, and like Cameron yeah, Diaz is just, use. yeah, they, they become quick besties and Cameron Diaz has just accepted that like, she is helping this woman through her divorce, even though this woman still hasn't talked to Nikolai. And this is a woman whose husband she slept with, you know, she's just like, here I am. Well, yeah, I mean, Cameron Diaz is also kind of like that whole like businesswoman that doesn't really have time for anything kind of trope. So it kind of makes me feel like she doesn't have any friends. And not just because I don't know if it's a matter of like she pushes people away specifically, but maybe that it takes a very persistent person to be to constantly be in her life. Like they have to show up all the time, be like, you remember me, right? We're friends. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Cameron Diaz does seem like someone who she kind of needs a Leslie man because she needs someone who will just say, you're my friend. You have to be my friend. We're going to hang out. You need to build a little bit more empathy into your life. And I am here to facilitate that. (laughs) Exactly. And at first it does seem like their friendship is really uh, Cameron Diaz trying to help Leslie Mann move on. Um, But then a wrench... A a wrench of intensity is thrown into their friendship one night when Leslie Mann is going to have sex with her husband. She still has not confronted him. And this is when what you mentioned happens where they're going to have sex. And then Leslie Mann goes into the bathroom to quickly shave her legs because she's remembered what Cameron Diaz said about how you should always be hairless. Um, And... Yeah, and then when she comes out, he's, like, on the phone, like, whispering sexily to another woman who we find out to be Kate Upton. And it's just, like, you're still right there. Like, you're within earshot. Like, I don't know why he couldn't just, like, send her dirty texts like any normal man. Why did he have to call her? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's it also made me wonder how he's gotten away with this for so long because if your idea of being secretive about your multiple affairs is calling someone in the hallway of your home while your wife is in the bathroom getting ready to have sex with you, you're not very good at this. <laughs> like how did like it also made me wonder like did Leslie know before this and she just wouldn't let herself and then when she met Cameron Diaz, she was forced to know. Well, I do think that, you know, it she accepts the fact that her husband is cheating on her pretty quickly like upon like and when she comes to see Cameron Diaz she kind of she already knows she just is looking for confirmation and so I almost feel like it's a situation where she she needed this she needed this to happen but now that it's happened she's terrified yeah exactly exactly And so basically they make this plan. Leslie Mann calls Cameron Diaz. She of course does not have sex with her husband that night. And she's like, we, she's like my husband. Well, actually first she assumes that it's Cameron Diaz that he's talking to. Right. Yeah. So they go to dinner and Leslie Mann is livid. And she's like, you lied to me. You're still sleeping with my husband, this whole thing. And Cameron Diaz is just like, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> she's, she's just like, no. And the funny thing is that that Leslie Mann immediately believes her. She's like, oh, okay, okay. Well, then it must be another woman. We should go away this weekend, stalk my husband and find out who it is. And Cameron Diaz is completely on board. <laughs> yeah, what? this whole like <laughs> espionage bonding. And of course they find exactly what they're looking for because you know we get we get Kate Upton who it is the kind of like hot girl well is exactly the hot girl character, the hot girl character that we've talked about on this podcast before. And I'm sure we'll talk about it again because it won't it won't stop. It won't stop. Just go with it, has it. She's out of my league, has it. And this has it. And it's the same kind of like blonde woman in her early 20s who's like curvy and is like really portrayed as like to be very innocent, which Kate Upton definitely is in this movie. 
oh yeah, she's, yeah, she's 22. And when they confront her, of course, there's this weird moment where both Leslie Mann and Cameron Diaz have binoculars at the beach and they first spot Kate Upton and it's like slow motion of Kate Upton at the beach in the bikini and her body. And like, there's this whole idea that both of these women are so incredibly threatened by her beauty And the thing is, all three of these women are very similar kinds of beautiful. Like, they're all blonde. They're all around the same size. Like, they look like they could be in the same family. Like, they could all be cousins. And I would believe it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's it's that weird, like, white lady insecurity. It's, I mean, it's also just the fact that, like, Leslie Mann and Cameron Diaz are both in their 40s and there's this like insecurity that comes there and it's coupled with their relationship insecurity although I don't know how I feel with it always being associated with that like just this whole like oh no dating at my age like you're acting like you're like an active senior or something like it's you're still beautiful (laughs) right I mean if she wants to date someone younger there's plenty of people you know because her whole thing is oh you know I've been married a long time there's not very many people in my pool which sure that is a thing if you only want to date people within you know five years it might be harder to find people who are available but if she wants to date 10 years younger (laughs) You know, I'm sure there's like a 29 year old that would love to date her. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's like, I mean, I mean, men are stupid in general, so it's not that I disagree that older men aren't just like full of shit. I mean, Don Johnson, who plays um, Cameron Diaz's dad in this, is a great example of just an old man who's full of shit. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, like Don Johnson's whole character is just like he's been married five times. He's always got a new girlfriend in her early twenties. And it's very much implied in the movie that he's part of the reason that Cameron Diaz has very low expectations of men and is very much not expecting anything from them. She's very much like, I don't even, she's like, I don't know if monogamy is for me. I don't know if I want to be with anyone, one person. And we see Don Johnson. We're like, ah, yes, yes. Like her, her, um, her cynicism, even when she is just seeing one person, is very much fueled by this disillusion from a young age. But I, you know, I totally, re- like, it's totally relatable. Like, at the beginning of the movie, they've only been together for, like, two months. And, yeah, I feel like if I was at the two-month mark, I would just be like, yeah, I don't know, I could wake up and this man could be gone. And I just have to deal with that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I find I find her whole thing very relatable. But I mean, luckily for her, there is Taylor Kinney, who is um, Leslie Mann's brother in this. And he is so hot and also just the most level headed person in the movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. He's the voice of reason. He's like, why are you all going to stalk this new mistress? What are you going to get out of that? What are you going to do with that information? Why haven't you talked to Nikolai yet everyone seems to know except I mean he doesn't know that you know (laughs) you know he's just like I'm the hot brother and I'm concerned about all of you yeah yeah it it makes total sense because I mean so much of the movie is just like them bonding by like getting getting really really wasted together which is I mean yeah I mean that's how you get to know people that makes sense but it's just like a lot of that and a lot of like crying and at least when Kate Upton shows up she's just like she's just like this adore like she's having a good time with absolutely no cynicism she's just like yeah these women are fucking losing it but i'm I'm, but i'm happy to be here you know it's so funny because kate upton when they they basically accost her on the beach when nikolai is going to get towels and they're like you know i'm the wife and i'm the other other woman and kate upton's immediately just like she believes them she's so sorry you know, uh, he had lied to her and said that they were going to move away to Tuscany. And also he had lied to Kate Upton and said that Leslie Mann was cheating on him and they were getting divorced. So, so Kate Upton is just, it's interesting because her character is very much starry eyed and she thought they had something, but she's also very ready to let it go. And she's very sorry to these other women. And she's just has incredible puppy dog energy in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I love how, I mean, she's, she's, you know, very, like, characterized to be, like, kind of stupid, but I think, actually, she is just kind of, like, you know, she's chill, like, she's just, like, oh, he lied to me? Well, I don't like that. 
I don't want to yeah, be exactly. someone who does that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just, she's just like very, you know, clear in how she feels about things. And I mean, she can be like, she's like, she doesn't, she has like, I feel like her and Nicki Minaj have similar energy where it's just like, I can get whatever I want. Why would I care <laughs> right. about losing this one thing? And it's interesting, like uh, going back to what you were saying earlier, uh, tonally about the movie, it feels like the first half or the first two thirds of the movie is very much about the women bonding despite or because of this man, right? It's the women bonding because this man is a liar and they're all caught in his web of lies. But then once they meet Kate Upton in the, in the third act, that's really when it turns into a hijinks movie. Um, and it's really when the, t- the tone of the comedy is so much more about shenanigans because they all decide that they, they're going to make this master plan and they're going to pull a bunch of pranks on Nikolai before they eventually confront him. Yeah, and yeah, the pranks are kind of a problem. And I feel like another director would be able to do... Like, I keep I kept on imagining what, like, any other female director would do with these hijinks and not make it seem because it just seems like they're just like acting like they're in high school like they're just like let's put some laxatives in his drink so that he shits his pants and he does and then he ends up in like these like tight red hipster pants and it's like you know haha and he and then there's like Nair put in his shampoo and then there's something I don't know how he gets the big nipples was she was he like was she like slipping him estrogen pills is that what that she was putting estrogen in his smoothies in his morning smoothies and it's yeah so i mean that unpacking that alone is like its own podcast i don't i don't want to touch that at all i believe i will say in poor taste yes it definitely felt in poor taste and there were Actually, there's another hijink that felt in poor taste for the exact same reason. Well, there was another hijinks that was like very overtly transphobic. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I would say that the estrogen, the estrogen in the smoothie, the punchlines of why it's supposed to be bad feels transphobic. Yeah. Um, although I'm sure that the the writers could argue against it, but the other joke is very clearly transphobia and that's like the only way to spin it. Yeah. That's the Um, only way to spin it. Like, yeah, I don't even really want to mention it, but yeah, the hijinks are just not, they're just not in tune with anything. Like I wish they just like did basic things. Like, I don't know, like fucked up his suits or like fucked up his calendar. I would say the most innocent hijinks is putting Nair in his shampoo. And that's still pretty brutal, but there's like, you know, there's putting laxatives in his water. And then we have to have a gratuitous scene of him on the toilet. It's just weird because I feel like a lot of the writing in other parts of the movie is a lot smarter and funnier. Even more mature. Yeah, it just feels more emotionally developed. And then with the hijinks, it was like it regressed to, um, it felt like Ferrelli Brothers energy. It does. And I wonder if there were studio notes for that because I feel like, you know, with all of the great lines in it, I feel like it's a, it's an emotional script, like a nice, like bonding film, like, you know, First Wives Club kind of thing that's hiding in here. And like, but it's, but it's stuck with all this other fucking bullshit. Like the, like when we find out that Nikolai is like embezzling. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, okay. So while they're pulling all these pranks on him, these three women that again met each other because they all were sleeping with the same man. One was married to him and the other two were on the side, but thought they were just dating him. They they discover that he has these shell companies and he's stealing money. And again, that could be its own movie. Like it's fascinating to me when when plots, plot points that have so many moving parts are just like a five minute aside. <laughs> but that I mean, that is like very normal for anything that is comedy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah, and the whole thing becomes like he's just like this like evil person who has like been putting Leslie Mann's name on everything so that she's gonna take the fall. And it's we haven't even talked that much about him. And maybe it's just because like Nikolai seems he's doing his best, 
but he's miscast here. And because of that, the entire movie swallows him because you have to have a lot of personality and charisma to pull off, you know, this whole, like we're bringing down the man thing. Like first we have to build up the man. We have to understand the hype. And then, you know, he has to also be able to be silly at the same time. And it's like, you know, we can't, can't all be John Ham, but like, it's a John Ham thing and not a lot of people can do it absolutely yeah I think that's the thing is um this actor is I mean I think of him as a dramatic actor I don't think of him as a comedic actor and I don't even necessarily I mean I think he can be romantic but I don't even think of him as a romantic actor I just think of him as dramatic (laughs) and he is handsome in such a specific like you know, a statuesque bone structure way. And obviously I'm not going to say that somebody can't be funny because of their bone structure because that's weird, but he is handsome in a way where if he's, if you're not naturally a comedic actor, it's going to be harder for you to do something silly and have it immediately be funny. Right. And so I think that you're right. I think John Hamm is an example of a man who is obviously very handsome in a similar way, but he comes from comedy. And so some of the shenanigans, and again, the shenanigans weren't the strength of the movie. And that's one of the problems is that Nikolai, we only see Nikolai lying to women and getting pranked. We don't see him separate from that. So we don't really get, he doesn't really get a lot of opportunities to flex. And it also means that we don't understand what they like about him because the movie won't tell us. The movie won't tell us what they like about him. And even in the scenes where he's manipulating them, the way he manipulates them is so stock. You know, he's like, oh, baby, don't be that way. Don't be mad at me. I'll see you later. You know, it's not like he's a great storyteller or he has all these sparkly things about him. It's like presumed that because he's handsome and he gives them attention, that's it. Which, I mean, yeah, there are people where that is the case. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, uh, oh, my God. I also just uh, remember John Tucker must die. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, we'll probably do it on the podcast eventually. But I will say that, like, with John Tucker must die, like, you can, like, you get it. Like, you see him being charming and you see him just, like, getting, really getting one over on them. And I don't know, like, almost John Tucker must die. I feel like. I don't okay. know if it's a better movie, but it's more cohesive. I I actually really love John Tucker Must Die. And I kind of think, I'm thinking about this, I kind of think that John Tucker Must Die is the better version of the hijinks of this movie. Yes. The First Wives Club is the better version of just the women bonding over this anger at men. Yes. Yeah. I would say, yeah, exactly. Like, and I love how, like, uh, we usually save the recommendations for the end, but we've already given them. So we could just move on. <laughs> It, it it flowed out. Yeah. For yeah. for those watching who don't listen to our podcast regularly, um, we always recommend a good movie alternative to whatever bad movie we're covering. Um, so now you have two recommendations. You have for this two. You very special them. Valentine's episode. Yeah. Yeah. You should definitely watch them and not this. Because, I mean, you know, of course, we, we know how this ends. The women, they get one over on him. And, like, you know all of his shady business stuff is is uncovered he loses all of his money uh Leslie Mann gets the job that he had and even more jobs like she like totally loses the corporate ladder which um harkens back to this idea that like all of his ideas were stolen from her in the first place <laughs> and um you know, we've got, oh yeah, we didn't really talk too much about Cameron Diaz and, and Taylor Kinney's thing. Well, because it's like, they're so chill. Like, it's a very chill love story. Like, it's like they meet, they're attracted to each other, things move along normally. It's kind of like the opposite of what happens with um, Nikolai, because it's like, instead of like all these like grand romantic gestures, it's just like a very normal progression, which is how relationships usually start and what makes them last in the first place. Like you have to be able to spend time with each other and make fun of each other. And they do both of those things. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. And you know, a lot of times in these movies, the movies that we cover, there's this, you know, idea that everyone has to end with a prize. They either get the career or they get a relationship, like something very sparkly, to, to end it with. And this movie is one of those that ends with that. But 
normally when it when it does this thing where it brings in a random character and it's like look this person ended up with someone it feels forced and even if I want those people to be together I I still don't buy it but with Taylor Kinney and Cameron Diaz I do buy it and they're really only in a few scenes together where they interact much one-on-one but it feels like you said it feels natural uh you know there's this intense bonding just through the whole shenanigan arc and the fact that he's kind of he's not really helping them but he's kind of there for it like they'll randomly be at his house to talk about all of the things they're doing to Nikolai and so you believe it so you know at the end when it's revealed that Cameron Diaz and him end up together and you're like yeah okay we didn't get to really watch them fall in love but we can infer that and we can believe that like I believe that way more than I believe that that Leslie Mann ever was emotionally satisfied by Nikolai. Oh yeah, or that or that Don Johnson and Kate Upton make sense ending up together. <laughs> yeah, that part like but yeah, that <laughs> that whole thing. That's I mean that that's like the last scene of the movie. It's it's fine is that reveal. And I love how like they can't even just do a straightforward reveal. It's like you see her in the swimsuit and you see her from behind and then she gets up and then she has to turn around. Like we don't already know. Like when you like when you <laughs> who else could have been on the beach with him aside from like Nicki Minaj, which is you know what? I okay, think that would have been fine. I would have preferred that. <laughs> I would have too because with yeah it, well because it, Nick because Nikki wouldn't like put up with his bullshit in a way that like I feel like Kate Upton definitely will yeah N- Nikki Minaj's character was she was a little bit older than Kate Upton and just seemed a lot more self-realized Kate Upton really felt like a baby and also Don Johnson's thing for younger women in this movie doesn't actually feel healthy and it feels like the movie knows that the way that he interacts with women in general regardless of age doesn't feel healthy so the fact that we're supposed to like Kate Upton which I do and then we're supposed to be happy that they end up together is very confusing yeah no I don't, I don't it just like it, it just felt like they were like we need to tie a bow here's the last two strings let's tie them together yeah Don Johnson is here so he has to show up in the I mean he does show up like right before the end when Nikolai's going through his whole like um this <laughs> this almost like uh like Looney Tunes kind of <laughs> like downfall where it's just like he like he goes through glass he like there's like all this blood all over his face. He's like getting hit by cars. I think I think Don Johnson punches him once. Like everything that could happen does happen to him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> truly, truly everything that could happen. And because yes, that like scene a- the scene where they confront um Nikolai at the end is at Cameron Diaz's office and and like the women are there and then they reveal that they discovered a shell companies and they know about everything. And like his boss comes in and is like, I'm firing you and I'm hiring your soon to be ex-wife. Cause she's the one you got all the ideas from. And then, yeah, like you said, he just smashes into glass cause he's so upset and he's so not used to consequences that he's just bleeding. I felt like the end of the movie was like its own treatise on white male rage and entitlement. <laughs> Because, well, because it's terrifying because he doesn't have comedic chops. So he just looks like a terrifying man. <laughs> He's just cut. And also it's pretty grim for this movie to just end with him covered in blood. He, yeah, it's this movie. Just, oh man, it's like, he's terrible, but I almost needed him to do something. Like I almost needed him to like kick a dog or something to really justify the blood. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He he just succumb. He just becomes like a cartoon villain, and like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know this man, this movie, this this all of it. This all yeah. Of it. I mean, you know, I, I, you know. At least the women get what they want. Kate Upton unfortunately gets Don Johnson. Cameron Diaz gets Taylor Kinney, and Leslie Mann becomes like a millionaire. <laughs> and I would say, you know, since this is. Um, a film festival about love and different forms of love. And this movie claims, I don't know what this movie would claim if we were to talk to the movie, (laughs) but you know, it's billed as a romantic comedy, but I would say that the real love story is the female friendship. So it's more of a friendship story. 
Yeah, yeah. And if you're, I mean, I don't know if you're like Cameron Diaz completion because you know she re- she retired from acting and like that's sad. Like I would say that that would be the only reason to watch it is to be like, oh, you want to see some more Cameron Diaz, and also if you want to see Leslie Mann not in a movie made or produced by her husband because yes. she does get to do more in this and it's and it makes it even worse that it's not that good of a movie because she's great in it i mean leslie mann is fantastic she really lets out some raw emotional chaos like she's great it it, it made me want to see leslie mann in more comedic roles like you said not directed by her husband or where she's just more of a main role in general she she has one of cinema's greatest voices. She does. She, I I love it. She's just she just reminds me of just like a teacher, like a teacher that's kind of annoying, but you're like obsessed with her anyway, you know. And the kind of person that like walks up to the kind of teacher that walked up to your lunch table is like, "Hi guys, how's everybody?" And like, oh my gosh, yeah, she like sits on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. She's, oh man, love her. You know, I mean, great cast, beautiful cast. Uh, yeah, and movie. you know, if you're, if you're watching this, thank you so much. I hope that you celebrate whatever kind of love you want to celebrate. Hopefully all of the loves. Um, and if you don't listen to our podcast, but you want to check us out, we are on pretty much all the places you can find your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, we also have a Patreon um, with extra episodes. We have a uh, erotic podcast called In the Smut monthly episodes. And then we also have a podcast about the OC. Um, Kyle and her partner, uh, and Kyle and <laughs> Kyle and her partner, Jordan and her partner, Kyle, wow, <laughs> have a podcast called Young Adult Swim about young adult movies, all available on the Patreon. But if you don't subscribe to the Patreon, you can still listen to our bad romantic episodes. And be our friend. Please. And um, yeah, I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. Bye. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah. Back it up, back it up. Let's go for strong. Uh, yeah. Back it up, back it up. Uh, yeah. Let's go.